You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So I've been in the sport of cycling for a long time. And as many of you know, when you're in a sport for a couple or more decades, you see people come and you see people go, and maybe you are one of those people who has come and gone, but there are also a few who are still out there towing the line, showing up on the starting lines, and otherwise fully engaged in the sport. My guest this week is definitely one of those women. Cheryl Osborne, who is a badass road and track cyclist in the Mid-Atlantic region, has been at it just like I have for a few decades, and she still has big lofty goals today. I met Cheryl in 1999 or 2000. We couldn't quite remember the exact year. She had just started the bike racing team, Artemis Racing, which put on some really great clinics where you could go and learn how to handle and race a road bike without crashing, hopefully. And I was there with a friend who was having some crashes and really needed some skill work. And it really worked. And Artemis Racing is still going strong, just like Cheryl today, which is awesome. She started racing in 2010. And her first race was a championship race on the track, of all things. And even better, she is still racing. Yes, that's awesome. But during our conversation, I learned that today she goes above and beyond, honestly, any call of duty to get more women on the track, more women of all ages, her age and lower or older on the track by driving them literally hours from their homes. She lives down in the DC area to the track up here by me, which is not close to the DC area. I'm in Pennsylvania on women's Wednesdays, which is a special program to help get women started on the track. It was really fun catching up with her and hearing about her training and racing goals and how her training has changed now that she's in the menopausal transition herself. She works as a security specialist for the Department of Homeland Security as her full-time job, so we, we don't talk much about that. But when she's not working or racing, she's also on the board of the Valley Preferred Cycling Center, which is that track, that velodrome I was talking about which is about nine miles from my front door. For those who don't know what a velodrome or a track is, it's it's an oval banked track. It's got steep curves along the sides that you can ride up and race down. And you do it on special bikes called track bikes, which have fixed gears. They're super light. And that means you can't coast. When you pedal, the bike goes. When you stop, it stops. They also have no brakes. You stop by, well, stopping pedaling. It's a bit of madness, but it's also super fun. And the women's scene there is really blossoming under the direction of women like Cheryl and my friend Joan Hanscom, who is the current executive director. If you want to learn more about the track or maybe even try out Women's Wednesdays yourself, check it out at thevelodrome.com. I will put it in the show notes. I highly recommend checking it out. It's super fun. I don't do much track racing myself. I have tried it. It's wild fun. I highly recommend people just come and check it out. Okay. On with my little weekly reminder to, speaking of checkout, 
come and check out our social media channels. You can find us at our communities of like-minded women at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have that private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group where you can come in and join our conversation. And if you want to deep dive into all things active menopausal living, we've got the Feisty Menopause Membership, where we offer in-depth materials, expert webinars, and offer sponsored discounts. You can learn all about that at feistymenopause.com. Little reminder that you can also hit me up at my email if you have ideas for guests or just want to drop me a line. I am at hitplaynotpause at livefeisty.com. Finally, thank you, thank you for all the great reviews lately and for sharing the show. I love to see it and it's really helping us to grow. So keep on keeping on, share our show on the socials, follow and or subscribe on your podcast platforms and keep giving us those good ratings and reviews. It makes a difference and it always warms my heart. Okay, let's have a quick word from our generous and awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Hit Play, Not Pause is proud to be sponsored by Noon Hydration in 2021. I have been a huge fan of Noon for well over a decade. They have products for immunity, recovery, getting a good night's rest, and I absolutely swear by their Podium series, which include branched-chain amino acids that are super important for women during and after menopause. So show your support and head over to noonlife.com. That's noon, N-U-U-N, life, one word. And use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, again, one word, with a capital F and a capital M, for 30%, yes, 30% off of all of Noon's amazing products. Again, noonlife.com, use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, with a capital F and a capital M, and get 30% off of anything you want. Check it out. Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need, and track my recovery, sleep, and progress. So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out-of-whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah, all while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out, all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. So go to insidetracker.com slash feistymenopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's insidetracker.com slash Feisty menopause, I can tell you, it works. (laughs) 
So I'm very excited uh, that you have joined me on the show. I know that you listen to the show and um, you have a long history in this sport and I, I'm just, and you're still in the sport. So yeah. it won't yeah. let me quit. That's how it works sometimes. And I was getting ready to quit and you said, don't quit. Oh, no way. Did I keep you? Did I yes. keep you in? <laughs> yes. Well, I'll thank you later. Maybe. <laughs> so, so, so for people who don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit about your history in cycling? I knew you as a, as a road racer and a track racer. You started with a mountain bike though. You tell me, did you actually start riding a mountain bike or did you just get that mountain bike? I got the mountain bike and, um, but I didn't know any mountain bikers. I didn't know anybody that rode actually. And so a guy that I worked with, he happened to ride a road bike. So I'm like, Hey, I got this mountain bike. So, uh, we swapped the knobby tires out for slicks. Okay. And I rode the mountain bike with a bunch of road riders. Problem was, it was way too big for me. So I was like suffering on these long rides. And well, it was an accidental bike, right? Like it just sort of showed up at your house. Well, you know, it's fate might have it. The guys that rented the house before me and my friend moved in were bike dealers. Ah. And it was a Gary Fisher mountain bike. Oh, I had one of those. And the next day, another one showed up. And so the landlord was like, <laughs> you keep one and I'll keep the other. I was like, cool. Nice. And that it was a little was, big. It was way big, but it was, it's just so interesting how that is what began my journey. So you're road riding through, were you living in the same place at the time? Yes. So DC. Baltimore? Yeah, but I was living in Maryland and Silver yeah. Spring. Gotcha. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> And then from that, I mean, I just I started riding more and more with men because there really weren't any women. Mm -hmm. I, I know. And uh, now, since there's this big push for diversity going on, I didn't even realize that I was the only black woman at the time. So I'm like, OK, cool. And they thought I was fast and I could do this and that. So they're like, you should try racing. And I'm like, OK, cool. I could ride 100 miles in a little over four hours. I'm thinking a, a 20 mile crit shouldn't be a problem. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> it's like apples and oranges. I got dropped in lap three times. And those kinds of experiences either push you one way or the other. In my case, it pushed me to figure out what it is that was so different. Mm -hmm. A long touring versus short races. And then, uh, and then I met my husband. Super Dave. Yeah. And he taught me how to race and how to corner and all that kind of stuff. And my first year as a cat four, I started, I, I had really good success. It was good to what, be a sprinter. Was it the handling? Was it the, was it the, the cornering and stuff that sort of did you in, in that first, was it a criterium that was your first race? I think that the thing about it was, it was not being aware of the pain. Oh, because when you're on a, you're just riding, you're not pushing yourself to the point of pain. And but when you're racing and that pain hits you, you're like, oh, my God, what the heck's going on? And you shut down. Mm. And so when I learned to pedal through that pain and just hang on, because once people started to notice how fast I was at the end, they would do everything to try to drop me. 
Mm. So I'm like, I got, I have to be there at the end. So I just started to push through the pain. And the one question that I've had that nobody's been able to answer, and I don't know, is it do we stop feeling the pain or does it stop hurting? I don't know. Your brain knows that it's not going to kill you. So it, it, you, you're, that's, so you're, it's still there, but your brain's like, oh, here she goes again. I know it'll be done in 45 minutes or so. We'll yeah. just let her go. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is some, there's something to that. Your brain, because yeah. we could go on, uh, that's a whole podcast because pain is a product of the brain. You know, your brain gets these signals. And the first time you lined up and did that, it was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know what you're up to, but I don't like it. Let's stop. And- and I thought it was a fitness issue and it really wasn't. It was just a, just a mind over matter type of deal. And once you learn to deal with that, like a lot of ladies would ask me, what's one, is, what's one of the main things that you have to learn to deal with when you start racing? And I said, pain tolerance. You got to know it's going to hurt and you got to be okay with that. Has that changed at all for you? Um, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So it's, um, I don't race much the road anymore. I'll probably stick with the track. I'm beginning to transition a little bit, mm-hmm. mostly because I don't really have the desire to put in the amount of training that you have to do just to be mediocre in, in a road race. And I'm like, I'm not about the whole mediocre thing. Right. So um, I, I'm, I'm really mentoring a lot more, doing little clinic skills drills and that kind of stuff, because now there's tons of ladies racing and riding and none of them know what they're doing and there's nobody to teach them because all the Mm -hmm. ladies that came up when I came up they're all gone out of everybody that I started racing with I am the only one that's still around why do you think that is um I think that they just got burnt out Mm -hmm. I think they just had enough of it um I think some of them put too much pressure on themselves and they they got to the point that they didn't enjoy it like I would say the, the racing part of it, like, oh, it's fun. It was never fun for me. I can't think of a word to describe it, but fun was, even when I would win, I would never say that it was fun. But there was just something that I just got out of it, like that sense of um, accomplishment. And I think that's what fueled me, that and the people. And as the years have gone by, um, it's mostly now the people. Like we have friends far and wide and everywhere. And the, the, the downside to that is a lot of people know me, but I don't know who the heck they are. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, Cheryl. I'm like, oh. And I asked David, which is a big mistake. I'm like, who is that? I was like, uh, I don't know. It happened. So now, so how long have you been on the track? I started racing the track about 10 years ago. Okay. And I fell into that because um, when I was uh, I was in a tie with a 35 plus bar. And the last race of the season was the uh, Mid-Atlantic Track Championships. And whichever one of us won that, won the bar. Never raced a track, never been on the track, never seen the track, knew nothing about the track. I went up, one of my teammates who does ride the track, he took me up the Friday before, he got me on a bike, we rode around a bit, gave me a few tips, and the next day I won. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have to ask for people who don't know much about the track when when you ride a track bike it has no brakes it's a fixed gear which means there's no coasting and I have only raced it a few times but the thing that I find most difficult is that you get done with this sprint that just about turns you inside out and the first thing you want to do always is, is stop pedaling <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> And what happens on a track bike when you stop pedaling? Oh, you go butt over teacups quickly. Yep. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I, I've not personally seen it happen. But thankfully, the majority of the folks now and back then have been on a spin bike. Right. So when right. I first started, I would just keep that in mind because you can't stop pedaling on a spin bike either. Right. That's and, and, yeah, and, you, and you learn these different ticks tips and techniques about how to slow your legs down, how to let them go limp and just let the pedals go around and all of that. But yeah, I've definitely been there. Like you just want to, you just want to stop pedaling. Yeah. I'm not crashed, but I've had a kick up on me to remind me that yeah, I attacked you, you gotta keep the race. legs going. Yeah. And, and boy, was it a, a jolt. Yeah. A jolt is a good way to describe it. <laughs> so, so there's, you're mentoring women, which is awesome. You're still racing, which is awesome. You have not stopped. What is, what has your, I mean, let's talk. We're here on this show, which, you know, we all know is about this sort of transition that we all hit. What has that looked like for you th through your racing and training career? Like, you know, when, when we, when I first contacted you, you said, I've been listening intently, trying to navigate this new normal and maintain my waistline. So what is, <laughs> <laughs> what is join our club what is, <laughs> what is the new what is what is how has that been for you um it's been a journey of first off acceptance just for getting older mm -hmm. trying to understand what that exactly means as my 50th birthday was approaching I asked my daughter I'm like I'm about to turn 50 what does that mean and she said for you nothing it doesn't mean a thing and so I, I, now I try to tell other women that, um, when was that? When I turned 50, five years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just, all right. I'm 52. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure where we were in. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the biggest adjustments have been, um, really with my body, not reacting and responding and, and adapting as quickly to training as I had become accustomed to it. And that was a big jolt. Um, the belly is a big jolt. Like I've never had a belly and, and, and that it, it's hurtful <laughs> and it's just wrong. Um, the issues that I had um, trying to figure out menopause from its start is back in 2013, I had a hysterectomy. So I didn't have the lack of a period to, to determine where I was. So I, I went to my primary care just for an annual physical. And she told me then, and this was probably three years ago, that I was postmenopausal. So I'm like, cool, because I'd had the horrible hot flashes. And really, that was my only symptom was the horrible hot flashes in the belly. Um, and so every year I'm going back for annual physicals. I'm going following up with my gynecologist and whatnot. And come to find out, not only was I not postmenopausal, 
I wasn't even menopausal. I'm premenopausal. And apparently, and this is all I can surmise, is that the, the determination of where you're at must have to do with the timing of when you get, they, they check your blood for it or something like that. They, yeah, they check your hormone. They check your follicular stimulating hormones, like, all, like different things. And yeah, when since those I was, reach a certain point, then yeah. they call you menopause. And I guess since I was still cyclical, they wow. got, I'm like, okay, whatever. So when was that again? um, It started back the first time that I was told that was probably when I was 52, which was Uh three years ago, because the hot flashes were absolutely horrible. Still happening. Um, Well, see, here's the weird thing. They totally went away and then they have come back, but not to the severity that they were at Mm -hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So, and, and part of that is exercise induced. The harder I train, you know, I'm a sweater anyway. So it, it's just, it's just really crazy. And there's not a lot of information out there. Like, let me take that back. There's tons of information. It's just a matter of sifting through what makes sense and applying whatever it is that, that, that deals with me specifically. Mm-hmm. I think that menopause is thrown out there as this one size fits all type of deal. And that's not the case at all, especially when you're dealing with sedentary women, women with who might have health issues, athletic women, competitive, like there is no one size fits all. And so it, it would be awesome if somebody could do some kind of study on menopause as it applies to athletes. Because I think a lot of us, in my age group, maybe would stick with it if we could know what adjustments to make, like even fueling workouts. Um, I used to, I train in the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, seven o'clock. All I would ever have was a cup of coffee, not because I was trying to fast or anything like that is my body just doesn't want food that early. At some point, my workout started to tank. And I started putting on weight. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then like manna from heaven, I see roar. <laughs> I'm like, I-, I didn't see that coming, but thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm like, all righty. And honestly, at first, I just found the section that applied to me. And the worst thing for somebody at my age group and, and my uh, station in life is fasted training. So I started just eating a little something with my coffee on the way to the gym. Magic. My workouts were back to the quality that I had been accustomed to. And I started to lose some of the weight that I'd put on. You know, we think that we could just do whatever we always did and it should be fine. Not the case at all. Yep, I have discovered I have discovered the same things. Thank God for Dr. Stacy Sims. Yeah. I mean, I seriously, just, like seriously. It was life-changing. And so when I saw what that just that little nugget of information did for that aspect of my life, I'm telling you, I don't know how many women that I have told, get this book. Get this book, forget all this intermittent fasting and one meal a day and all this other wacky stuff. Makes it stuff. worse. Makes it worse. It's nuts. 
Yeah. And intermittent fasting. Well, hello. When you go to sleep, <laughs> you're intermittent fasting. Yes. Yes, you are. And when you want to work out, you should have some fuel in the tank. Yeah. It's like. And you're, you know, and women's bodies, I mean, we could go on on that forever, but we are, you know, we're designed for different survival mechanisms and different thrival mechanisms than men's are. And we can't follow that same research that's been been done on men. And I get it in my own house, you know, because David has noticed that I'm starting to have more fat on me than I I ever used to. I would say the same of him, but that's another show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He was like, well, you just need to ride more. I'm like, no, oh boy. no, oh boy. That, that's not yeah, it. That's, that's actually not it. Yeah. That's not it, dude. I can ride till the cows come home. I mean, it is what it is. So has your, um, has your training on the bike at all changed? Yes. I, uh, I have more rest days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The harder, I, the harder I go, I'll either take completely off or go super mm-hmm. easy the next day. Um, I like riding long on the weekends, but I generally don't go hard. I just go long and I'm really, I get a lot more out of it now when I don't think of it as training. Yeah. But for the most part, my training is harder um, and less frequent. And when I'm in the gym lifting, I'm lifting as heavy as possible. And I have an awesome uh, trainer that I used to work with years ago. He has a training facility now. And uh, he's intent on getting me back up to 205 for my deadlift. So I'm like, yeah, we go as heavy as we can. And I try to tell these ladies, you don't have to worry about bulking up, but you need to be lifting as heavy as you can. It makes you feel great, right? Me? Yeah. Because, you know, I love it. Yeah, there's something that makes me feel, I feel, um, feel really good like it just makes me feel really on point like I'm buzzing with something you know when I especially deadlifting there's something about a good deadlifting session that just makes me feel like oh I'm ready to just like I don't know what just take on yeah Wonder like Woman everything. 2021 yeah. <laughs> exactly just so ready and I and it and I feel I don't know if you feel it I feel the uh really the direct transfer into my pedals like I because I still do mountain bike a lot and I there's a lot of times, especially here where we live, it's very rocky and you need that extra torque to get over obstacles and to, you know, to get through things. And it's just like, I have that other gear that I wouldn't normally have. Yeah. And this especially, and I, I, all the ladies that I come across that are 35 plus said, you've got to do something other than just ride. You need some type of weight bearing, bone jarring, something, or you're going to have bone density issues mm-hmm. if you don't already. And it's really common in women cyclists and men we're finding out too, because now yeah. these guys, they're falling and they're breaking. Yeah, no, it makes you much more resilient, which is like so important. I mean, beyond anything bicycle related, right? I mean, it's just really important. Yeah, we look good. Well, there's that. I, I got mean, apps for days. I'm so excited because <laughs> I love my bikini. They're like, why do you race? Why do you ride? So I can look good in my bikini for real. Well, I'm looking <laughs> at a picture of your, your strong, wonderful glutes here from bicycling magazine. <laughs> 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 she's, she, I wrote a piece called 
but seriously about the importance of including your glutes as part of your core. Cause everybody was all about core, but they were thinking of it as their abs at the time. Yeah. It's like, it's not the core or not your abdominals. Can we please have this discussion? Um, and cyclists really need, you know, cyclist runners, a lot of endurance athletes kind of like their glutes just go to sleep and go along for the ride. So I wrote that piece and somehow your butt ended up in it. How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. You don't know either? No. That's I, awesome. I don't, I don't know where the picture came from or I, I, I don't even know if I remember what race it was, but I'm like, wow, that's me. <laughs> that is hilarious. It, it was some sort of stuff. I mean, we, we paid or not pay like it was something that we could get for free probably so it was some sort of a shutterfly or stock image but it's pretty awesome yes 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 the butt that sailed a thousand seas yes it's a, it's it's um and again I, I try to tell women this it's great that you're strong on the bike but you also need to be strong off the bike and I, a lot of what motivates me in addition to just being strong and I tell women this too, this, this is how I think. I need to be strong enough to save myself or somebody else if I had to, hmm. you know? And, and if, if just being strong on a bike or whatever doesn't motivate you, just think about if, you, if the difference between life and death meant you had to do with your ability to just hold on and support your own weight for a period of time, could you do it? Could you, could you save your kid? Could you reach down, grab them? Could you run? Could you jump? Like, could you do it? And, and that's, that's like, it's important, especially when we're at the outdoorsy type and our families tend to be the outdoorsy type. Like I got a grandson, he's Nick, they call him Sonic. He's all over the place, (laughs) you know? And I keep trying to emphasize to my daughter, you need to get fit. Not for you, for this little four-year-old who's all over the doggone place. If he falls down a ravine or something, like, I mean, it's, it's really far-reaching, but <laughs> working for Homeland Security for so many years, this is just how say, I think. Your job, <laughs> she, she works at Homeland Security. And you have four grandchildren. How is that possible? You know, well, I got started early. And yeah. I'm kind of happy for that. But yeah, the oldest is, uh, he'll be 13 in November. Two of them are five and the little grandbaby, she is three. And wow. it's just, it's awesome. But more so, I'd love seeing the look on people's faces when I tell them that I am somebody's grandmother. Mm-hmm. That is, that is pretty, that is pretty rad. So what are your, what are your goals? I mean, 2020 did, you know, whatever it did and we're looking ahead now. Um, and I, and I, you know, I hear from the track that you might have some, some goals. Yes. Uh, Masters Nationals is going to be at T-Town this year. So I'm training for that. I really want a jersey. I've got silver medals. I got bronze medals. Mm. I need a gold medal and a jersey. And if I got to knock somebody down in the parking lot. to get <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. It's not until September. So I have plenty of time to train. And, you know, Kim Geis is the best in the business. Yes, she is. Anybody can get me there. She's going to. She's get your me coach. There. Um, she doesn't know it. Oh, okay. Well, Kim, <laughs> you got somebody to get ready for gold. <laughs> she's honestly pretty much everybody's coach up there, but she's running the women's Wednesdays, and yeah. you know she she has a familiarity with me from way back. So, you know, she's she's a, a just such a wealth of knowledge and. 
I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to make those drives however often. So come September, I'm going to have that jersey and that gold medal. I'm putting it out into the universe. Um, so on the bike, that's that's the goal. Um, I have really fallen in love with Fondos. Oh, nice. Yeah, because they, they're a good mix of racing and tour riding. So I love it. Fondos, for those who don't know, are just really long bike rides that are sort of competitions, but not only if you want them to be. Is that a good way to describe it? That's an awesome way to describe it. And, and the best part is they're usually in very beautiful scenic places. They're most times hilly, which you wouldn't think I would like being a sprinter, but I actually love them. And they're, they're a good way to stay connected with the sport and also to kind of and meet a lot of different people. Yeah. So the Maryland Grand Fondo is not far. It's like 40 minutes from where I live. Um, I think it's the national championship or something like that. I'm not sure. But we did it a few years back. The first time section is a nine mile climb. <laughs> where uh, is that? Is that going to be in Frederick. Western? Frederick, oh, okay. Yeah. Frederick, yeah. Maryland. And I won my time, my age. Damn. Grade. I was like, what? I was so excited. It That's was awesome. awesome. So I, that, watch that, or watch or watch, my dear. Like, you know, so that kind of hooked me. So, yeah. but I love them. And, uh, so I totally lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. You just fell in love with Fondos. We were talking about your goals and you were going to knock someone over in the parking lot, get a gold medal, <laughs> and you, you have fallen in love with Fondos. <laughs> That's what I've gotten so far. Yeah, off the bike, I'm just going to try to continue to mentor as many women that, that I can, that I come across, just drop these little nuggets because there's no reason for anybody to have to learn any of this stuff the hard way. Yeah. Most of the women that are coming into the sport are coming in older. Like that's interesting. Where do you think they're coming from? The women that you're seeing that there's so many women now coming. You know, I honestly, I I don't really know. I think it's similar to how I kind of came into it. You you start off with these small groups, and then you start meeting other people, and then the groups just morph and grow from there. But there are more women now in the area than I have ever seen. Um, the majority of them do not race and I let them know that's okay. We've even changed up our format on Artemis racing. So now we have an Artemis cycling club because what we found is that we were missing out on a lot of awesome people who didn't necessarily, who, who liked what we were about. They liked our visibility, what we do, how we ride, like, and everybody on the team is really awesome, but we were missing out on a big segment because they thought they had to race. Right. So we, right. we created this the Artemis Cycling Club and another member runs it. And it's just just a matter of uh, getting people out there who are already out there with some kind of uh, structure, formatting, learning, support, like whatever it is that you need. We try to provide that. Well, you taught. And that's what, you know, I did. I was down there when we first met for a story. Right. I was bringing a fair like a guy that had developed fitness but zero skills and was going to kill himself like literally he had overcooked so many turns and ended up in in the hospital so many times uh-huh. like jeremy you need help <laughs> and also, that's what we were there for but for but for but those but the the people that you're talking about who you know and i imagine that there is a lot of them now that so many people got bikes 
you know, they might have fitness from a Peloton class or from whatever they've been doing, but the ability to confidently go around a corner, you know, and navigate, like it, it just, it just makes your riding experience, not only safer, but a hundred percent more enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're finding now is Zwift is an awesome thing. Oh, right. But it's also truly scary because we have these folks that are crazy fit that do not how to ride. They don't know how to ride their bike. Mm -hmm. They don't know Mm -hmm. how to ride by themselves. They don't know how to ride in the pack. They have no Mm -hmm. spatial awareness whatsoever. And they're just really lacking the skills that they need to be able to take advantage of all this strength that they have. Yep. So, I mean, if they'll listen, I'll offer, I let them know, you know, I know what you know, and I also know what you don't know. Yeah. And you don't seem to know what you don't know. So let's have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. Like they're, they're asking, they're only asking questions that they know to ask. So you're right. They don't know what they don't know, but I'm just intent on folks not having to learn these things the hard way, especially as you're older. I mean, I I try to, to bridge that gap. You, your fitness is up to you. I can help you with just about everything else. All you have to do is have a willingness to, to listen and be coachable, you know, to the extent that, that you're trying to take this thing. Yeah. I mean, the hope is that all these, especially these women that we're seeing in will stay and that they will find resources like we're talking about now that make them, I I do feel like a lot of the women, like you say, you're you're sort of by yourself all of a sudden and and you see that. And if you look at statistics to date, I mean, you'll see that girls have traditionally dropped out at puberty and women drop out at menopause. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. Like, I, you know, I think that all of a sudden all this stuff happens and you feel kind of alone and your body is doing things that it didn't used to do. And, you know, you just sort of recede. Um, and we're trying to prevent that. Yeah. So I'm going to keep pushing that book. Find the chapter that <laughs> pertains to you. Well, there's going to be more it. than just a chapter soon. We're writing a whole book for us. Um, you know, the menopause chapter is becoming a whole book because we thought that uh, it deserved to be one, frankly. Yeah. And that's awesome because I mean, right now in terms of cycling, where you see older women, our age group mostly is the track. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because, um, you don't have to dedicate, you still have to train, but it's not the same as training for the road. You know? Time-wise, you mean? Yeah, time-wise, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you see some of it in cyclocross too. I don't know. You never got into cyclocross, did you? My, my involvement in cyclocross involves ringing the cowbell. <laughs> and we need the cowbell ring. <laughs> we need <laughs> <laughs> and drinking beer and, and, and frites and those little teeny pancakes. I just love them. I love the sport, but the idea of, of slinging a bike and running with it over my shoulder, I love to watch it. I'm totally into it from, from a spectator point of view, but it scares the bejeebies out of me. I don't like the And fall. the track does. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I, I understand. I do understand that you, and, and you, you know, because cyclocross is such a, um, a muddy, slippery sort of endeavor, you do end up hitting the ground a little bit more, but hitting the track is not a, you know, that I don't know. The track is such a controlled environment. You know, cyclocross is more like a free-for-all, go for what you know and pedal till you can't pedal anymore. Track is so controlled. And, and sometimes it can be a bit chaotic, but it's an organized type of chaos, especially when you're dealing with national events and whatnot. 
but it is, it's so controlled to the point, like uh, one time I got nipped at the line and I thought I had cussed in my head, but I really cussed out loud and they called my number to give me a warning. I'm like, what the heck? Was that out loud? <laughs> I, I swear it was just my inside voice. I Sorry. did not realize I said it out loud, but just the fact that they take something like that so wow. seriously because, you know, the crashes are very few and far between on the track. That is true. You know? That is 100% true. And what is your I, event? Um, <laughs> I've, I've pretty much done it all. <laughs> okay. um, I'm most suited for the 500 meter time trial. Um. I like the points races and the scratch races, but as I get older and a little less risk averse, I'm not so keen on being on the track with a bunch of people anymore, but I'm sure that will change once I get my track legs back and I'm around it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, team sprint, I, I've done well at. Um, I even tried my hand at the team pursuit. Um, that was that was different. <laughs> so I use as a sprinter, I'm allergic to time trials. Of any kind, but 500 meters or 2,000 as a team, I can generally handle. So, but I pretty much will, I'll do whatever out there. The so only you need that, other other people around you or something to chase? Is that what I'm hearing besides the clock? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. And that's why even on the road, I was never really good at uh, time trials because I get distracted and there's like, there's nothing. It's just you and, and some birds and a butterfly or something. And it's like, the, the only hope for me is that the sun is just right, that it's casting my shadow in front of me and I can chase it. <laughs> You're chasing your shadow. <laughs> Other than that, it's like, this it just doesn't work for me. But um, it's so funny because when my teammate, we, when we were at the track yesterday, uh, she was telling folks there about how I have this knack for talking people into stuff and yeah I, I I don't realize that I do it that much but apparently I do this a lot and it's because folks need to not resign themselves to what they think that they're good at because to mm. me it's not a big deal to be good at what you're good at go do something you're not good at and I do it all the time I've done stage races up in the mountains of Fitchburg Massachusetts I have no place there but I like that kind of stuff because there's no pressure to perform because I'm not a climber at all. And, and I enjoy it more, even though I'm getting the pants beat off of me. <laughs> I, Sometimes I think, that's more fun, though. Like, that's it, what I like about running races is I know yeah. I'm not I have no shot at the front. Like, I'm, not, I'm just not fast enough. But I can it that takes a level of pressure off that makes that event just more fun for me in many. Yeah. Ways. And, and yeah. you know, especially women in our age group now definitely want to just strike out and stop being afraid to fail what's the worst that could happen nothing <laughs> really you know well, i yeah i mean it, it's it's a, it it takes letting go of divorcing your self-worth from an outcome on a in an event right i mean that's i think what it comes down to it's pretty, like yeah because yeah. you know my husband will tell you i'll try anything I will try. I've done uh, brevets and brevets are like, I think brevet. Tell people what a brevet is. Well, the the name makes you think it's short when it's actually not. (laughs) It sounds like brief or, yeah, it's not. (laughs) So they're organized rides. They're timed rides um, and they get progressively longer and they're actually qualifying rides for this big 
great ride that they do out in Paris called Paris Breast Paris. Um, I, I had no desire to do any of that. So <clears throat> uh, some years ago, I broke my collarbone at 30 miles under my belt. And I'm like, oh, there's a 200K brevet in the Blue Ridge Mountains. That might jumpstart my training. <laughs> I was like, who the heck goes and rides 200K in the mountains when you only have 30 miles coming off of a broker collarbone? Hey. You do. Again. How no was pressure. that for you? Was that a good training camp? Yeah, it's different. It's it was I went out there by myself. I didn't take any friend. I couldn't talk any friends into going with me, honestly. <laughs> so and yeah, brevets are awesome. They're the shortest ones are 200 K and you go 200, 300, 500, I think six or eight and then all the way to a thousand. Yeah, very long events. And I just absolutely love them to the point that I try to do one every year. Um, nice. It's been some years, but, you know, I pr- plan to go back and try it again. But and, and I'm sure I'll talk somebody else into doing these things. But Do you have one in your sights? Um, not yet. Not yet. I have to actually look at the calendar. There was one that conflicted with my grandson's birthday. I don't think my daughter would have appreciated that. So, <laughs> yeah. Decisions I'll FaceTime decisions. you from like a Wawa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-uh. well that's that it, it it is it's really great like catching up and, and hearing you and seeing you still in this because um yeah it, the, there's no reason as you're saying for us to stop and i i too think that this is a really good time of life and i and i've said it a number of times to just branch out and try new things i think some women too stop doing what they're doing because at some point you're you're training so much harder to just stay where you are, you know, depending what your, what your event is, you know, and I I think that that can be frustrating for some people. And I get that, uh, which is a really good opportunity to go like, "Hmm, let me be new at something. Let me, uh, you know, even in your own sport, like, let me just try something different. So you're not doing that constant comparison. Yeah. My biggest issue though, with the women that were in my, uh, my group as I came up is that, okay, so you don't want to race. You have no desire to train, to be able to race at a certain level. Well, at least give back. Like, where the heck are you? That's my thing. Like, where is where'd you, y'all that you're still around? Take some women on a ride, like teach mm. them some things. And that that's mm-hmm. that's, you know, I'm not down with that at all. Somebody helped me. Right. And, right. and because of that, I feel right. compelled to help other people, you know, on the road, on the track. Um, I'll even talk people in doing a cyclocross race, even though I don't do it. I'll ring the cowbell for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you a hand up. <laughs> well, well, let me know what what brevet uh, you end up doing. Maybe I'll join you down the. Oh, that would that would be great. That would be kind of fun. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, between that and trying to get women up on the track, so I'm I'm a brand new board member. Um, I've heard that up at the track. You are giving back. So the goal is to try to get more women from this area up to the track to the point that I've even offered rides. You just come mm. to me, I'll drive you up there. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and try to help them reach their goal of 50-50 in terms of gender. And right 50, now- 50% women and 50% men. Yeah, and right now they're 70-30, which is pretty good. It is pretty good. It is pretty good for the for the track. It's very good. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and they haven't, I mean, let's be clear- 
past people running the track have not put that have not really been um maybe welcoming for a lot of women so yeah. i you know i think that i think there's a real good shot at getting 50 50 under yeah under joan. and as fate might have it joan hanscom who runs a track up there started on artemis oh that's right yeah so life, she's yeah, yeah how, life. how about that so you know we're, we're going to try to do our best and also for folks on the road and the older women um the track helps with everything. Even if you have no desire to ride, race it. It's good to ride it because you get that spatial awareness. You get the, that, that pack awareness and all those things that you need to, that help you on the road. When I first started riding the, uh, the track, I took six minutes off my 40K time trial. Wow. Only because I got used to pedaling nonstop. For nonstop. <laughs> it develops a very good good uh, endurance that way. I mean, people think of it as more of a power thing, but you you develop in crazy endurance because you have to stay on top of that gear. There's nothing else. You're not shifting. Yeah. yeah. So there we have it. Just trying to get back in and stay in my bikini. You're gonna race yeah. on the track in your bikini, perhaps for your. Now that might hurt. Mm. Those, you know, triathlete. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even the best saddle is unforgiving. Excellent. Do you have anything that you'd like to relay that we haven't talked about? I mean, I think we've covered. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything. But, you know, whoever hears this that's in our age group and is thinking, you know, that life changes is pushing them out of sport, don't go. Just roll with it. And, and make whatever changes that you need to make to keep you in it at whatever level that you feel comfortable with. And know that there's a whole bunch of us out here going through the same thing. We don't have to suffer in silence anymore mm-hmm. because there's, an, there's enough of us now, you know, to have a voice. Ask your doctor tons of questions. You know, if, if they're not willing to look into things for you, find another doctor. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. Okay, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with CrossFit trainer, nutrition coach, and OBGYN physician, Dr. Carla DiGirolamo, who I found in our feisty menopause membership, and who has a whole lot to say about menopause, health, and fitness. Be sure to tune in for that one. Until next week, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Feisty.